Chapter 7 of History of Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Egypt by F. C. H. Wendell. Chapter 7 the close of the new empire and the period of decline dynasties twenty twenty one and twenty two about eleven eighty to eight hundred b c section one the twentieth dynasty and close of the new empire eleven eighty to ten fifty b c with this dynasty closes the period called the new empire and begins the period of decline the epoch known as the new empire had begun auspiciously and for several centuries the pharaohs of the eighteenth and nineteenth dynasties had succeeded in making and keeping egypt the first power of the then known world at the close of each dynasty there had occurred periods of anarchy which were however of short duration and entailed no serious consequences the kings had nevertheless made a number of serious blunders and the effects of these blunders began to show themselves in this period the first of these was the great power which had been given to the priests of amun-ra after the suppression of the reform movement we have seen how the booty won in the asiatic wars poured chiefly into the coffers of amun-ra the monies paid into his treasury were managed by the priesthood a fact that is very significant this priesthood was responsible apparently only to itself and consequently vastly enriched itself add to the power of great wealth the control of vast estates and consequently an immense patronage and the enormous influence the priesthood generally has over the masses and you can readily see that sooner or later this priesthood must become very dangerous to the state in this dynasty there must be added yet another factor the vast influence the clergy gained over the weak and incompetent kings that ruled after ramses the third it is no wonder then that they should finally succeed in snatching the sceptre from the weak hands of the lost ramseses the second serious blunder was their libyan policy which we have outlined in chapter six section three satnacht ruled only a very short while but he appointed his son ramses co-regent shortly before he died ramses the third eleven eighty to eleven forty eight b c the ramses of the classical authors ascended the throne about eleven eighty b c this pharaoh anxiously imitated ramses 
the second even giving his sons the same names as those borne by the sons of his great predecessor and appointing them to the same offices the latter had held he was not however the equal of ramses the second in war though he almost excelled him in paradosio the lists of conquered lands are just as untrustworthy as those of ramses the second and must be entirely disregarded in writing the history of this period the only authentic sources are the accounts of specific campaigns and on these alone is based the following account of his wars the early part of this reign seems to have been taken up by cares of state the land had it is true been pacified by satnacht but still the reorganization of the state was by no means compelled when ramses came to the throne in one of his edicts this pharaoh gives orders to cleanse the temples of upper egypt of all that the gods hate to restore the truth that is orthodox faith and to destroy the lie that is heterodoxy it was owing to this unsettled state of the country that he could not undertake his first campaign which was an extremely important and absolutely necessary one before his fifth year meanwhile matters looked bad in the delta libyan hordes under their princess didi mashakin tamar and jatmar had entered the delta possibly during the period of anarchy which followed on the death of seti the second and had penetrated to the main stream of the nile here they occupied the banks of the river from karbana to memphis in the fifth year of his reign ramses at last had sufficiently settled the eternal affairs of his kingdom to allow of his turning his attention to foreign affairs and he accordingly marched against the libyans after some hard fighting he succeeded in driving them out of the country some three years later the pharaoh was involved in a more serious war the peoples of the sea the shardana turusha and shakarusha who in all probability dwelt on the north coast of africa and seem to have been great pirates united with the zakari prusta danauna and washiwash four other seafaring peoples in a grand raid on the asiatic coast they advanced down the coast by land and water bringing with them their women and children and all their possessions on carts drawn by oxen all the syrian people the sheta the kidi karamish aradis and aresa were subdued and then the mighty stream poured into palestine which was mercilessly devastated up to this time ramses had been looking on an unconcerned spectator rather rejoiced than otherwise at the downfall of egypt's old enemies 
but as soon as palestine was invaded matters assumed a different aspect palestine was an egyptian province and could not be sacrificed accordingly in the eighth year of his reign ramses proceeded against the pirates with a large army and a great fleet the decisive battle was fought on the coast of syria both on land and on sea and the enemy was utterly routed and almost annihilated vast numbers of prisoners were taken the people concerned in this attack were all seafaring the shardana churusha and shakarusha we have met before as allies of the libyan tribes that attacked egypt in the times of Merenptah. they dwelled most probably on the north coast of africa that these tribes here appear together with tribes coming most probably from greece and asia minor is no argument against this for these tribes were bold pirates ready to join in any enterprise that promised booty though we can state with a considerable degree of certainty that the other four tribes came from greece and asia minor we cannot assign to each one its proper home that greek tribes took part in this expedition is made extremely probable when we remember that the odyssey mentions raids of this character made by greek pirates on the egyptian coast the threatened invasion was thus happily averted and the egyptian domination over palestine phoenician and southern syria considerably strengthened in these countries the kings of the preceding dynasty had erected and garrisoned forts in order to keep the inhabitants under control ramses the third went one step further he tried to force the egyptian religion or rather the religion of amun ra on the asiatics a great temple was erected in this region to amun ra to which in the language of the official record all the peoples of shal syria bring their tribute incidentally an expedition against the shesu bedouins of sir adam is mentioned three years after the great victory over the pirates the king was again compelled to march against the libyans the mashawasha under their chief mashashar united with the temhu and libu and invaded the western delta the pharaoh easily defeated them in a great battle fought on the frontier large numbers of the enemy were killed numerous prisoners were taken and rich booty was won these four wars seemed to have been all that ramses was engaged in we see that they were all defensive wars and this is quite a change from the aggressive policy pursued by the kings of dynasties twenty eight and nineteen after the close of the second libyan war the kingdom was at peace with the world and thubia and nubia remained tranquil the trade with pewent was reopened and a fleet sent there returned laden with the products of its tropical coasts and brought back with it ambassadors from the various rulers of the region 
the copper and malachite mines of the sinai were operated the land seemed to have arrived at the highest point of tranquillity and prosperity thus at least the official inscriptions and papyrus harris the first the official record of this reign would have us believe in reality matters were not so pleasant in the immediate vicinity of the pharaoh's capital in the necropolis of thebes there was almost constant trouble with the laborers these men were in the government service and were to receive regular monthly rations but the payment was far from regular and very often they had to strike for them thus we know of one gang of laborers that struck for their pay three times inside of half a year in the twenty-ninth year of this reign on these occasions they would leave the necropolis in a body with their wives and children and would not return until their demands had been ascended to the first strike lasted five days and at one stage of the proceedings matters assumed so serious an aspect that the military had to be called out the men finally received their dues and returned to work on the second strike which occurred a month later the men marched to the gates of the city where the governor of thebes met them and after some discussion paid them half of their dues whereupon they returned to the necropolis two months later they struck again but were soon pacified this record which no doubt represents the experience of these unfortunates not only during this half a year but during the entire reign stands in strange contrast to the accounts given by the official documents from another source too we learn something more of the real condition of affairs this is a papyrus giving the minutes of a criminal procedure against several members of the royal family and several high civil and military officers for high treason several ladies belonging to the royal harem headed by queen tay who had a son called pentower as the minutes hint he bore another name probably he was a son of the king formed a conspiracy against the pharaoh in all probability the conspiracy had for ultimate object the placing of this prince on the throne after his father had been murdered most of the harem officials were implicated the head overseer of the harem even conducting the correspondence for tay the commander of the troops stationed in ethiopia whose sister was in the royal harem was won over and ordered to revolt against the pharaoh and invade egypt many other officials and army officers were implicated the conspiracy was however betrayed and the conspirators were arrested a special commission of eleven vested with extraordinary powers and even permitted to pass sentence of death was appointed to try this conspiracy case the commission began its labors but soon it was found that three of its members had been corrupted having attended a banquet given them by some of the accused ladies they were tried 
found guilty and sentenced to have their ears and noses cut off after this unpleasant interlude the commission succeeded in accomplishing its labors without further interruption the conspirators were found guilty and sentenced to death the nobles being permitted to commit suicide and the others being executed in this reign the power of the priesthood greatly increased we have already touched on the causes of this but there was no pharaoh who did more for the priests and their temples than did ramses the third the larger part of the great papyrus harris i is taken up with lists of presents given the various temples the temples of amun ra of course received the lion's share of these rich gifts and attained to an unheard-of wealth proportionately with the wealth of their temple the wealth and influence of the priests increased this was the great mistake of this reign but we must say in palliation that ramses was but carrying out the policy of his forefathers ramses was a great builder in all parts of egypt we find his name connected with the temples and other monuments his chief attention was directed to thebes and the delta at thebes he made additions to the great temple of amun ra and restored some of the temples of the necropolis following the example of his great namesake ramses the second he built in the necropolis a temple dedicated to amun ra and commemorative of his victories behind this temple were the vast treasury vaults in which were stored up the great masses of gold silver precious stones copper etc dedicated to amun ra and on the walls are inscribed the records of the immense wealth here deposited it is probable that these treasures represent the state treasury placed under the protection of the god rather than the presence made him before the gates of the temple stood a two-story house probably destined to be the residence of the pharaoh and his attendants on his visits to this city of the dead at tell yehuda in the delta he built a temple of limestone alabaster and granite many of the other temples were repaired by him and it seems to have required no small amount of labor to keep the temples of kemet in constant repair the king died in the thirty-second year of his reign shortly after having proclaimed his son ramses the fourth co-regent the successors of ramses the third eleven forty eight ten fifty b c the late king had managed to keep egypt on much the same level as it had occupied under ramses the second but under his successors the prestige of the once all but almighty ruler of the world rapidly declined the following pharaohs were all weaklings who could scarcely hold their own at home and dared not to interfere in the foreign affairs under them the priesthood that had been greatly favored by ramses the third rose to a commanding position and the last kings of this line were mere puppets in the hands of the theban high priests 
these rulers cover about a century but all this time we have but few monuments of historic value and two of the most important documents we possess of this time show it in no pleasant light ramses the fourth the sixth the seventh and the eighth were brothers ramses the fifth was a usurper the very fact that a usurper could ascend the throne after the son of ramses the third shows that there was something wrong somewhere it is true that we possess a stele on which ramses the fourth eleven forty eight to eleven thirty seven b c mentions the fact that the syrian rentu brought tribute but this is not significant for southern syria had been for some time an integral part of the kingdom ramses the fourth sent a great expedition to the wadi hammamat quarries in the third year of his reign to quarry stone for temples he also worked the sinai copper mines of his buildings but little remains he seems to have been a man of promise but like most men of his character he did not keep his promises and appears as one of the weakest monarchs of his line he died or was dethroned after a reign of only eleven years ramses v eleven thirty six to eleven thirty two b c though strong enough to wrest the crown from its legitimate holder was not able long to retain the position he owned to himself alone for he reigned but four years in about eleven thirty one b c ramses the sixth one of the legitimate heirs of ramses the third succeeded in outsetting the usurper but he was otherwise of little account we do not even know how long he reigned ramses the seventh and the eighth were alike unimportant of the latter we know only that he reigned about seven years of the former we know nothing ramses the ninth holds a rather unenviable prominence among these rulers two papyri have come down to us that show how utterly weak and corrupt the government of egypt was in those days the first of these contains the minutes of a criminal procedure against a desperate band of robbers that invested the necropolis of thebes dated from the nineteenth year of this reign some knowledge of the robberies in the necropolis having come to the ears of the governor of thebes he immediately with a view to injuring his enemy the governor of the necropolis reported the case to the vizier this official appointed a commission to investigate the charges this commission made an investigation and reported that of ten royal pyramids examined only one had been entered and robbed while all the private tombs had been broken into and stripped of everything that had any value during the investigation one of the witnesses a fellow that bore a desperate character confessed that he had robbed the tomb of one of the wives of ramses the second and the investigation proved the truth of his story 
eight robbers were tried and found guilty great was the joy of the commissioners who immediately made public the results of their investigation the governor of the city however whose vague charges had in no way been substantiated was not satisfied but openly declared the entire investigation a fraud and threatened to bring the matter before the pharaoh after a judicial hearing the matter was hushed both sides evidently fearing an official investigation into the conduct of their offices there was evidently a good deal of crookedness the governor of the necropolis was undoubtedly guilty at least of criminal negligence and the commission did their work pretty carelessly evidently not caring to expose their friend too much the second of the above-mentioned papyri is the journal of a gang of laborers employed in the Thepan necropolis we learn from this document that these men were paid in rations of fish pulse grain beer fat and fuel but these provisions were rarely issued on time and sometimes were not paid at all in the latter case the men struck or as the egyptian phrase goes lay at home the journal of this party contains the record of two strikes the first was peaceable on the second they marched to thebes in a body and laid their complaints before the authorities their request for pay was granted and they returned to work these strikes give proof of the corruption that was rife in the government the men's rations were withheld not because the state could not pay but because the officials charged with the distribution chose to let the rations disappear the pharaoh died after a reign of a little more than eighteen years shortly after proclaiming his son ramses the tenth co-regent the last three kings of this line are very unimportant in the early part of the reign of ramses the tenth sixty thieves among them a number of minor government officials and priests of lower grades were arrested and punished for desecrations and depredations committed in the necropolis but even the most stringent measures proved of no avail the great cemetery had grown so enormously that the proper policing of this district was out of the question and besides it would seem that the governor of the necropolis and the chief of this police had a finger in the pie and were not over vigilant ramses the tenth ruled eight years and was succeeded by ramses the eleventh of whom we know nothing ramses the twelfth was the last king of this house of him we know little more than that he ruled about twenty-seven years in his reign there lived a high priest of Ammon and general of the army hera ho who became the successor of ramses the king was a mere puppet in the hands of the almighty high priest and it is not to be wondered at that hera ho finally seized the crown one of these kings which one we do not know was the contemporary of the mighty assyrian king tiglath the first and sent him tribute about 
1110 bc a fact that it is characteristic of the weakness of these kings the twenty-first dynasty the priest kings ten fifty to nine hundred and fifty b c we have here again a period that is very obscure there is some disagreement among the historians about the order of succession of the priest kings and the fact that manetho states that the dynasty originated from tennis has induced some scholars to assume that a tanitic king had deposed haraho the founder of the dynasty such an assumption we consider utterly unwarranted as it is not constant with the facts of the case as represented on the monuments haraho and all his descendants were high priests of amun ra in thebes and a long line of haraho's ancestors occupied the same position we can trace on the monuments the gradual rise of the high priests of amun ra we find the high priests Rua, amunana and ramses necht mentioned together with the kings on the walls of the temple of karnak a distinction enjoyed in the older times only by the co-regent under ramses the ninth the power of these priests seems to have been still greater evidently the king was a mere puppet in the hands of ramses next's son and successor the high priest amenhotep this dignitary no longer inscribed his name was the name of the pharaoh but declares in the inscriptions that he erected this or that building in the name of the pharaoh he rose to the high position of manager of the temple states thus holding in his hands all the wealth and influence of the great temples of amun ra sa amun heraho ten fifty to ten thirty four b c took the deciding step about ten fifty b c he had held high offices of trust and honor under ramses the twelfth being to mention only his most exalted offices high priest of amun ra chief architect to the pharaoh general of the army and head of upper and lower egypt we see this man thus combined the highest religious military and civil offices of the land and was virtually the ruler no wonder then that on ramses death he pushed aside that king's legitimate heir and placed the double crown on his own head it would seem however that egypt gained but little by the change of rulers the new king could do no more than preserve the then boundaries of his kingdom and when we read in his inscriptions that he repulsed the enemies we must take this to refer to minor compacts with bedouins who were constantly prowling about the borders this pharaoh built chiefly in karnak restoring the temple of chensu the son of amun ra and decorating its walls with long religious inscriptions in one of these inscriptions he had depicted his entire family consisting of his wife queen Nejimit, his nineteen sons 
and grandsons and five daughters the government seems to have remained quite as weak and corrupt as it had been under the last Ramesside's, and no wonder for herahu was a descendant of the high priest who so long had governed the land in fact and he himself had actually ruled the country long before he seized the sceptre so that it was but natural that the old state of affairs continued thus the old depredations in the necropolis instead of ceasing or becoming less became worse and more desperate than ever the police of the necropolis were it is true not quite efficient but might have kept their desperadoes in some check had they themselves not been implicated accordingly herahu bethought himself of some means of protecting the mummies of his predecessors the mummies of king razakunan ahmus i amunhotep i tohotmus i tohotmus ii tohotmus iii ramses i seti i and ramses ii were for a while moved about from place to place and finally were hid in a shaft at deir el bahari where they could be better guarded this shaft was opened in eighteen eighty one by maspiro and bruch bay and in it were discovered besides the mummies already mentioned those of the early kings and queens of this dynasty the mummy of this pharaoh was not found here either because it never was deposited here or because like many other objects found in the shaft it is still in the hands of the arabs who discovered and to some extent blundered this improvised tomb before the discovery was brought to the attention of the government the mummy of queen Nejimit, cased in a beautiful sarcophagus of gilt wood was however found here whether or not this king is identical with a king ranatur chopper set up a amun mari amun sa amun whose name has hitherto been found only in the delta is one of the vexed questions regarding this dynasty it may be that herahu used the title of high priest of amun as coronation name in thebes only while he adopted another coronation name for use in lower egypt but such a course would seem void of sense still we have no cause to assume that two kings one of upper and one of lower egypt ruled at the same time the whole matter must be laid over until further monuments are discovered in proof of one or the other hypothesis herahu ruled about sixteen years herahu's successors ten thirty three to nine hundred and forty five b c benetujim the first the grandson of herahu ascended the throne about ten thirty three b c pianchi the father of this pharaoh had been high priest of amun ra but he seems to have died before herahu so that his right to the throne passed to his son this king had two wives queen hathur hent taui and queen makara 
of which latter lady an inscription distinctly says that amun ra had given her the kingdom it would seem from this that makara was a ramses side princess whom Herahu had compelled to wed his grandson in order to legalize his usurpation a very common measure of egyptian usurpers at all events it is a very curious fact that while the names of both queens are always enclosed in cartouches that of Pinajim is without the cartouche in several inscriptions again there appears in number of inscriptions the name of a king cheper cha ra Pinajim, whose wife was queen hathor hent tawi that Pinajim, the high priest of amun and this king are one and the same person there can be no doubt the mummy of queen makara was like his mummy and that of hathor hent tawi found at deir el bahri at the feet of makara was found the mummy of a very young infant designated as the princess the wife of the pharaoh the lady of both lands Matemhet. it would seem from this that the infant had been declared the legitimate wife of its father immediately after its birth this precaution was taken to preclude the chance that any usurper could base claims to the throne on a marriage with this infant the child and its mother died however long before any such eventuality could arise Penajim reigned twenty-five years ten thirty-three to one thousand and eight b c ra chepper set up a amun pasipchanu i the successor of Penajim, has left us but few monuments but from these we see that like his predecessors he was both high priest of amun ra and king of egypt one of his sons named Penajim, was high priest of amun ra under king amun amapit menchepper ra is another priest king of whom we know nothing the same is true of king amun amapit pasipchanu the second has but little significance beyond the fact that his daughter makara became the wife of usarkin the first the son of shashinki the first thus legalizing the usurpation of that monarch pasipchanu has also some interest for the biblical student it was in all probability this king who came into connection with king solomon he gave solomon his daughter in marriage and as a dowry captured for the jewish king the city of gaza there was instituted at this time also a commercial intercourse between egypt and israel the latter state facilitating the trade in horses and wagons between the egyptians and the hathites and arameans the twenty-second dynasty the libyan kings nine hundred and forty-five 
to 800 B.C. The reader will no doubt remember what was said on a former page concerning the Libyan wars of Seti I and Ramses II, and concerning the ingress of Libyan mercenaries in these reigns. These mercenaries were called Ma, an abbreviation of the name of Mashawasha tribe, and their leaders bore the titles of Or and Ma, that is, Duke of the Ma, and Our and Ma, Grand Duke of the Ma. They seem to have settled in great numbers in the western part of the delta. The family of one of these leaders that lived in Budapest rose to great power, and finally one of its members, Shashinki I, succeeded in wresting the scepter from the weak hands of Pasipshanu II, the last of the priest kings. The first member of this family who migrated from Libya to Egypt was the Tehen Libyan Biwawa. He came in about the time of Hera Ho, his son Mausen already had the title of Grand Duke of the Ma. In this position, his son Nabnesha and his grandson Patut succeeded him. Patut's son, Shakshinki, was married to Princess Mahatim Oret, and their son Nemrod married Tentispa. This latter couple lived about the time of King Pindjim, their son was Shashinki I, who on the death of Nimart succeeded him in the offices of Grand Duke of the Ma and Commander-in-Chief of the Army. Shashinki I, 945-924 BC, the Shishak of the Bible, an inscription in Abydos, shows how highly King Basip Shanu esteemed Shashinki and his family, for it tells us this monarch kept in repair the tomb of the late Grand Duke Namart, and prayed to Amun-Ra for the success of Shishanki's arms, holding the entire power of the land, the army in his grasp. Shashinki was the real ruler of Egypt and it was not at all unnatural that he at length, about 945 BC, either deposed King Basib Shanu or took advantage of that king's death to become king in name as well as in fact. Makara, the daughter of the late king, was compelled to marry the crown prince Usarkin, so that he might have a legitimate claim to the throne that egypt gained by this change of rulers is an undeniable fact immediately after ascending the throne the new pharaoh issued a stringent edict against all debrigations on the property of the dead the tombs and states set aside for payment of sacrificial offers were considered the property of the dead by priests or other persons this edict proved that he was determined not to tolerate the state of affairs that had existed in the necropolis under his predecessors. The edict in question prescribes the funeral sacrifices for his father, 
the king expressly states that he had punished those priests that had stolen from the funeral state this was no doubt a warning to all inclined to go and do likewise and seems to have no doubt backed by an effective police had the desired effect for we hear of no further robberies in the theban necropolis in this and the following reigns early in this reign jeroboam had fled to his court he returned to israel only after the death of solomon to become king of the ten tribes it may be that shashinki assisted him to return and gain the throne as he had married the pharaoh's sister-in-law anu the most important event of shashinki's reign was his asiatic campaign he invaded palestine and after overrunning and plundering the country and taking its chief towns he finally invested and captured the city of jerusalem in the fifth year of king rehoboam's reign the egyptians sacked the town and carried off among other things the treasure solomon had deposited in the temple the city is designated as Yadha Malik, the royal Jewish city, in the Egyptian inscription treating of this raid. The king appointed his son Abut, high priest of Amun Ra, the fattest office in his gift, thus uniting in his family the highest civil, military, and religious powers of the realm. This pharaoh built chiefly in thebes at karnak he began the so-called hall of the bubastides which was completed by his successors he died after a reign of about twenty-one years and usarkin his son by queen karama succeeded him shashinki's successors usarkin the first usarkin ascended the throne about 923 bc he was an unimportant ruler all we know of him is that he continued the work begun by his father at karnak and that his wife makara conveyed all her rights and domains to her family that is her husband and his sons in consideration of this her son shashinki was proclaimed co-regent and appointed governor of the south but he never ascended the throne having in all probability died before usarkin how long this pharaoh ruled we do not know on his death take lot the first son of queen tameh shansu ascended the throne of him we know only that he was married to queen caps and that his son by this lady usarkin succeeded him usarkin the second ruled twenty-three years and built at karnak budapest and other places the following king take lot the second was a little more important in his reign occurred two rebellions which are unfortunately not described in detail in the eleventh year of his reign a rebellion broke out where he does not tell us in his inscription which was subdued four years afterward 
another text states that children of the rebels attacked egypt from the north and from the south but were repulsed after a long struggle whereupon they fell into internal dissensions unfortunately these texts do not inform us who these rebels and children of the rebels were possibly we find in these rebellions the beginning of the disintegration of egypt which was completed at the time the ethiopian king pianchi invaded the country teklot seems to have been strong enough however to keep the land together in the course of the latter text there is a notice that on a certain date the sky had become unrecognizable and the moon had assumed a terrible aspect after a reign of over fifteen years the king died and his son shashinki the third succeeded him this pharaoh was the last of this line whose name appears in the inscriptions of karnak it would seem that either he or his next successor had been driven out of the capital he reigned fifty-two years the last kings of this dynasty pimai shashinki the fourth and usarkin the third were in all probability confined to the delta at the time of pianchi's invasion usarkin the third was king of budapest merely or perhaps divided the delta with abut king of klisma End of chapter seven